You are listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today's talk comes from Pastor Jeff Mose. Well, from my family to your family, I just want to say a very Merry Christmas. Now, let me ask you a question. By show of hands, how many of you have relatives staying with you over this holiday season? Just go ahead and raise your hand. Yeah, me too. Many of you do. Here's what I want to ask. Do they not recognize there's good hotels in the area? Did they follow you here tonight? Seems like you can't shake them, can you? Got to go to the bathroom in order to eventually get away from the relatives. They did a study in the year 2023, and they asked people this question, since many of you are fearful of running into your relatives over the Christmas time, what are the three conversations, three things that you're most fearful of? in terms of awkward conversations you could possibly have with your relatives, and they came up with these three. They all start with a question. The first of them is this, have you gained weight? Now listen, most of us know not to start that sort of an awkward conversation, but we all have that one uncle that just seems to have no filter, don't we? The second most awkward question was this, when are you going to have more children? Now, Coming from a grandparent perspective, I want you to know I probably asked that question a time or two. You would hate it to be the other way around, wouldn't you? Why do you have so many children? We would never say that. And then here was the last one. The most awkward question was this. When are you going to get married? Now, again, from a grandparenting perspective, all we're saying is, listen, we're getting a little bit older. Could you move this thing along as quickly as you can? Now, those are some awkward conversations that take place with relatives, but they also did sort of a poll with regards to how long should relatives stay at your house during Christmas. What would you say? Here's what everybody said, three nights max. Now, many of you are saying, hey, we don't get much out of Pastor Jeff's sermons, but tonight we are so thankful that we brought our relatives along with us. There's only three nights. About the fourth night, they begin to smell a little bit like fish, don't they? So here's what I would say to you. This is my idea. If you are moving toward the fourth or the fifth night with relatives at your house, just start an awkward conversation. Say to one of your relatives, have you put on weight? I think that will move things out a little bit fast. Tonight, here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to introduce you to an awkward conversation, but an incredibly powerful one. One that took place between God the Father and God the Son. It took place on the very first Christmas, and it could be said these were Jesus' last words to the Father before he comes here to this earth. The words are recorded in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 5, when Jesus said, Father, sacrifice and offering is not what you have desired. There was a whole sacrificial system that was set up to somehow deal with the guilt of mankind before a holy God. There was a need for a sacrifice on behalf of the innocent to somehow cover those of us who are guilty. But Jesus said, Father, listen, sacrifice and offering is not what you have desired, but a body which I have prepared for me. In whole burnt offerings and sin sacrifice, you have not taken ultimate final pleasure. And then Jesus says this, behold, I have come to do your will, O God. Behold. I have come to do your will. 
If you and I had been there when Jesus spoke those words to the Father, you and I, much like the angels, would have had to cover our faces because we couldn't look at the glory of God. You and I would have had to cover our feet in humility before the presence of the transcendent God. And then one millisecond later, this one who was irreducible in grandeur is now all of a sudden a microscopic cell in the womb of the Virgin Mary. And people, you got to get that or you don't get Christmas. The reality is Jesus was entombed in darkness there in Mary's womb for nine months until the day that the prophets had spoke about long ago when this baby came forth and was laid in a manger. And he who is irreducible in grandeur is now reduced to a tiny little baby by his choice. And every single Christmas we gather together in his presence and we worship him. Now, the problem with society today is we're trying to reduce Jesus to less than who he is, because if we can do him, eventually we can move him away from the center of our lives. And what I'd like to do tonight is just uncover for you once again the beauty and the grandeur and the glory of exactly who this Christ child is. Now, in order to do that, I'm going to need you to come along with me and go back some 2,000 years to a stable in Bethlehem. And to sort of peek through all of these window panes of times coming alongside of the Christ child and beginning to see what is happening here. They gather together in a stable, really a cave, if you will. All throughout the landscape of Bethlehem in that day and age, there were these ceremonially clean caves. They were kept there for the birthing of little lambs. Bethlehem was just five miles from Jerusalem. There in Jerusalem was the temple and day and night, they were sacrificing little lambs for the sin of the people. And so these little lambs are born into Bethlehem, and the shepherds eventually, when they recognize the sheep is ready to get birth, take them into one of these birthing caves, and they give birth, and then they wrap them in strips of cloth, and they place them in a cattle's feeding trough. They recognize that these lambs were to be unblemished, they were to be spotless, and there were jagged edges in the cave, so they wrapped them in swaddling clothes and they placed them in the cattle's feeding trough. And now the scripture tells us that when Jesus is born, he is born in this cave and they wrap him in swaddling clothes. And when the shepherds hear this, they know exactly what he is. This one who was lying in the manger is the lamb of God slain before the foundation of the world. Mary is there. She's probably 12 to 14 years of age. Joseph is there. He's probably in his late teens. And the scripture says she gives birth to this child and they wrap him in swaddling clothes and they place him in a manger. You're there again looking through the window panes of time and you're seeing this going on. And as you watch, somebody taps you on the shoulder and they say to you, can you tell me who is this baby lying in a manger? People, your response to that question is going to tell us whether or not you are really prepared for Christmas or not. And I want you to see God's perspective on who this child was. First of all, I want you to see this. The baby lying in a manger is none other than God. He is the God of the universe. In John chapter 1, John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then if you move down to verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and made its dwelling among us. 
Every now and then, it's just good to revisit basic theology, isn't it? Remind yourself that the little baby lying in a manger is none other than God. Because the reality is this, in our society today, more than anything else, we want to reduce Jesus. We want to say, in effect, we want to remove him from our courthouses. We want to remove him from our city seals. But more than that, we want to remove him from the center of our lives. So in order to remove him, let's first of all reduce him. Let's refer him as sweet baby Jesus. We'll give him the title of a prophet, maybe of a teacher, but I want to remind you today that he is God. When John begins to write John chapter 1, John speaks in a rather poetic fashion. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, he's saying, in the very beginning, before there was such a thing as time, this God who existed outside of time, outside of space, made a decision. He would step into time. He would step into space in order to communicate his love for you. People kind of remind you that the primary reason that Jesus was born in this world was to communicate his love to you. Ultimately, what Jesus had to say, he first said through creation. Ultimately, what he needed to say, he said through the prophets. Then he said it through the conscience of mankind. But what really had to be said could only be said by giving birth to a child and the child now beginning to speak of the very love and the care of God the Father. So let me just ask you, as Will at each of these points today, how are you going to respond to the fact that this little baby lying in a manger is God? I said in my heart, I'm going to bow, if not on my knees, that I'm going to, with my heart, come in his presence and worship him, bow before him. And if he's got a word for me, then the reality is in the midst of the Christmas season, I got to slow down because to this day, God still desires to speak through Jesus. So first of all, the baby lying in a manger is God. Secondly, I want you to see this. The baby lying in the manger is the creator of all things. The Apostle Paul says in Colossians chapter 1, by him all things are made in heavens and on earth, thrones and rulers and powers. All things were made by him and through him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Can I remind you that this little baby who was born in a manger is the creator of all things? That when he came into this world, he spoke all of creation into existence simply with a word of his breath. And then he became this speechless baby who could say nothing. What an incredible Savior. People, how are we going to respond to the fact that this Christmas, lying in a manger, is the creator of the universe? I said to myself that I'm going to allow creation to draw me into the presence of the creator. I'm going to go outside, and in a few days, from my understanding, it's supposed to snow. We're going to see snowflakes, and they tell me no one snowflake is like another. I don't know how we know that, but we do. And can you remind yourself as you see this precious snow fall that every single bit of that was made by the Christ child? If you make your way to the mountains to go skiing and you stand on top of the beauty of all of these mountains, can you look at the grandeur before you and simply remind yourself that this little baby born in a manger spoke all of this into existence? If you make your way south alongside of the ocean, first of all, take me. But secondly, as you look at the beauty of the ocean, can you remind yourself that this little child who was born in a manger in Bethlehem was the creator of all of this beauty around us? 
The baby lying in a manger is God. The baby lying in a manger is the creator of all things. And then thirdly, I want you to see this. The baby lying in the manger is the hope of all humanity. John goes on in John chapter 1 to say this, in him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. And the light shone to the darkness, but the darkness has not comprehended it. John starts, in him was life. Not that this little baby born in a manger had a heartbeat and brainwaves. He's saying much more than that. He's saying this one had life in himself, pre-existent, non-dependent life. All of us are dependent on other things or other people in order for us to live, but this is the only being that was ever created in this world that had self-dependent, non-existent life in himself. Because I want to remind you that's exactly who Jesus was. And then the scripture says, and he was the light of mankind. Isn't that what we've all desired our entire life to somehow live eternally? And now Jesus possesses that in and of himself. And then the scripture says, it's shown into the darkness, but the darkness did not comprehend it. When Jesus came into this world, there was a cosmic struggle between good and evil, light and darkness, and light, goodness, one. I want to remind myself in the midst of that, this Christmas season, that there is life found in no one else but Jesus. You and I are going to experience a lot of good things in this Christmas. Somebody going to get good presents, somebody going to get money, somebody going to get family, and all kinds of things that bring joy in a temporary fashion to your life. But can I remind you that life is not found in any of those things? Life is found in Jesus and Him alone. And can I remind you today that you and I are victors because Christ has come into this world and there was a cosmic struggle between good and evil and Jesus won and that you and I are overcomers through the power of Christ over anything that comes into our lives. The baby lying in a manger is God. He's the creator of all things. He's the hope of all humanity. And then fourthly, I want you to see this. He's the fulfillment of all prophecy. He's the very thing that the Old Testament prophets spoke about. It's the very thing that the children of Israel longed for, the coming of a Messiah. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, it says, and all of the prophets longed to see the things that you see. They waited for the day of the coming of the Messiah, but in their lifetime, it never happened. And they desired more than anything else to see what you and I have seen, the birth of this Messiah, this Christ child. And the portion of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1 sort of infers that all of these prophets gather together, spiritually speaking, around the manger and they worshipped him. Maybe one by one they began to recount their prophecies. Moses probably went first. I said that he'd be born of the seed of a woman and he's here. Then Micah went next and said, I said that he'd be born in the town of Bethlehem, and that's exactly where we're standing. And then Isaiah would say, and I would say that he was going to be born of a virgin, and here's Mary now. And all of them gathered together around the presence of Jesus, and my guess would be that Isaiah now speaks his prophecy. Isaiah, the most regal prophet of all, just recites, to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. And he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. People, how are you going to respond this Christmas to the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of prophecy? 
The scripture in 1 Peter goes on to say in verse 13, in light of this, gird your loins, look toward the eternal. In other words, he's saying in every decision in life, make it with regards to eternity. In everything that you do in your life, look and vision yourself toward eternity. Fix your eyes on heaven. Fix your eyes on beyond. Because this world is just a fleeting place. People, he's not only God. He's not only the creator of the universe. He's not only the hope of all humanity. He's not only the fulfillment of all prophecy. But I want you to hear me on this. He is also the one person in all of human history that every single one of us has to make a decision about. Every single one of us. John goes on to say he came unto his own, but his own received him not. But to as many as received him, to those who called upon his name, he gave the right to be called the sons and the daughters of God. That when you and I surrender, when you and I yield, when you and I make a decision to follow after Jesus Christ, you and I become sons and daughters of the Most High. So people, how are you going to respond this Christmas to the fact that Jesus is the one person in all of human history by which every single person has to make a decision? you got to make a decision. You're going to accept him or you're going to reject him. Maybe for some of you, because you don't know Christ as Savior and Lord of your life, you've never opened this Christmas gift yet. This is going to be the year 2023 where you say, in effect, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. And for many of you here today that already know him, isn't it true that all of us have unsaved people around us? Relatives, brothers, sisters, neighbors, friends that don't know Christ? Is it possible that you and I could share the good news, the hope, the light of Jesus Christ with them in this Christmas season? So when the stranger taps you on the shoulder and he says in effect to you, hey, who's this baby lying in a manger? Can you tell them with absolute certainty he's God? He's the creator of all things. He's the hope of all humanity. He is the fulfillment of all prophecy. And he's the one person in all of human history that every single person must make a decision, accept or reject. Today in this Christmas season of 2023, all I'm asking is for you to allow the Spirit of God to do in your heart what He desires. And then for every single one of us to respond accordingly. Christmas is actually the celebration of the birth of Jesus. It's a birthday party, kids know this. For Jesus. The question then becomes this, have you ever been to a birthday party before where everybody receives gifts except the birthday boy? And what do you bring to a person that has everything? The God of the universe owns it all, so what do you bring to him on his birthday? You bring him yourself. Because the one thing that he doesn't have unless you give it to him is your heart. We always say at Sunnybrook Community Church, and you've heard me say it a hundred times, coming to know Christ as your Savior is as simple as A, B, C. A, you've got to admit that you're a sinner. B, you've got to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And then C, you've got to commit your life to Him. As the Spirit of God is moving through this place, lighting on each heart here today, I'm going to lead us into time of corporate prayer, and I'm going to lead you right there in your seats. 
and an opportunity to receive Christ as your Savior, would you pray with me? Father, we come to you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we want to give you thanks for Jesus. Thank you that he was God. Thank you that he's the creator of all things, the hope of all humanity, the fulfillment of all prophecy. But tonight, we acknowledge that he is the one person in all of human history that we need to make a decision about, accept or reject. Father, many of us here today feel the prompting of your spirit to receive Christ as our Savior. So Lord, in the quietness of these seats, could they say this simple prayer, Lord, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that Jesus Christ died for me. And right now, to the best of my ability, I want to commit my life to you. Father, thank you that you hear that prayer. Thank you that you allow us to become sons and daughters, children of the Most High. Father, today, could you assure people of their salvation in you if they surrendered and yielded their life to you and for all of us? Here today as believers, could Jesus be the center of this season and celebration, we pray. And I ask it all in his name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk, check out our Sunnybrook Unscripted podcast where we talk real life, answer questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. For other talks, videos, and live gatherings, rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Download the Sunnybrook Church app or visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.